No. Right, that's enough running away from Christmas. It's done. It's finished. We've eaten everything. Let's just get on with it. I don't know why I'm pretending to be tired. I'm literally sat at a laptop editing all this together. Um, Merry New Year. Welcome to the Soft Issues Podcast. Sit back, relax, have a cup of mulled wine, and uh, listen to me and Wei rant on about whatever it is we do. Bike stuff. Bike-related stuff, yes. Welcome to the Soft Issues Podcast, Ed. What are we what are we talking about this week? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> Should we start again? No, it's fine. <laughs> um, well, there's, there's only two of us this week. Oh yeah. Well, there are, Matt's in the room. He's eaves, eavesdropping. He's just not got a mic on because he's busy working. Paperwork. Paperwork. Weighed down by administration. Do you think that at some point the term paperwork is going to be a bit like you know when uh, you know that kid who saw a floppy disk and said, "Oh, somebody's 3D printed the save icon." You know, do you remember that? <laughs> do you reckon paperwork would be like? Well, I don't know what what's what's that? What's, what's paperwork? Do, will, will paper become vintage? Because they promised us that years ago. They said up oh, the paperless office. You won't you won't need to use you know, you won't ever write anything down again. And it's like, oh, literally like. I'm at my laptop with a pad and a pen at the side of the laptop. You know that one of the things I want most is one of those remarkable ones. <laughs> the, ad, the ad is hilarious because it's a guy. What's the, who's the guy? Oh, I don't He's know. like, hi, I'm so-and-so from whatever company. Um, I used to be the CEO of, I don't know, Packard oh, Bell or IBM something. Like. Or something. Oh, IBM. Yeah. And it's like, I tried for years to try. And, and eventually it's like, oh, so you finally admitted you, that you failed. <laughs> and now you're advertising for your competitor. It's like, well, these guys did it. <laughs> did the things that I could never have dreamed of. Oh, I don't know. What, what a funny world is um, when we're inventing digital products to uh, completely take over the paper product. It's which a, is what is it? Fine. Yeah. Are you, are you describing the uh, the saying, the answer to a problem that doesn't exist? Well, I kind of relates quite well yeah. to bikes. <laughs> I, I just find it funny how the selling points of the digital product are the same ones as you would want in your non-digital product. So it's like trying yeah. to recreate yeah. the, yeah. the feel oh, yeah. of paper. paper. So paper's better, yeah. but we're going to put so it into just, a digital form. Just use paper. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, you know, uh, like um, Siri and Alexa and all these things. It's like, you you don't need to push buttons anymore. You can talk to your phone. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to my phone. I'm in a public place. I just want to press buttons. Like, what are you doing? I want it so much quicker to just press some buttons. 
tell you what though, it's scary. My daughter started doing that because um, one of her aunts has uh, an Alexa and she was yeah. very taken by it. She's like, wow, you can just talk to the room and <laughs> make things happen. So obviously she goes off on a little power trip, just walks into a room, shouts at the room. <laughs> tries to make things happen <laughs> like Sorry, the heating's <laughs> on full sepultura is playing at full volume <laughs> all the windows are open yeah not every room has alexa i'm afraid look <laughs> that uh, is, is uh, i got a friend best mate's been building a house and it's like i'm sure he's gonna deck it out with you know every room automated everything and alexa or whatever i'm just thinking that's you don't want that just the, okay the one thing which you don't need Alexa for, you just need a, a motion sensor, is like, I want to install a motion sensor in the hallway light so that when I come downstairs from the bedroom early in the morning and it's dark, I don't have to fumble around for the light switch. I don't know. I think That's we, it. We, we all got sold on all this kind of stuff when we were watching Star Trek when we were kids. <laughs> like, but in Star all... Trek, it was... It worked. <laughs> and it was <laughs> yeah. good. Computer. Computer. And also, they said... Like this is the, I know that some of them you can customize. So you could like you say, okay, your name is now computer and you train it. So right. I can say computer and then it will be, oh, hello. But people that still call it Siri and Alexa and, oh, the worst one is okay, Google. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to say that. Definitely not in public. Okay, Google, call Cedric. Okay, Google, do my bike fit for me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay, before we... Uh, Let's do biscuit of the week first, and then I'll <laughs> then I'll talk about um, the thing that you've just important made me, made me first, think of. Right? Important things first. We got we got three minutes on biscuit of the week because three minutes oh, well, on it's gonna take the, me the love child on. of a oh. bourbon. <laughs> I'm gonna fall off a bloody chair. I'm so excited. The the Marks and Spencers bourbon. The Marks and Spencers bourbon is the love child of the bourbon and the custard cream because it's brown like a bourbon but it's the shape of a custard cream. <laughs> and that's it. I'm not making the joke that I made a minute ago, because we'll get I don't know how to cancelled. talk about three minutes on this. Mate, I could talk for 20 minutes on board. I mean, it is an odd shape. It's just like, ball. okay, no, but it, it makes sense to me, because I can imagine the people designing this have gone, well, we've already got the mold for custard creams. Like, why are we using a different mould for bourbons? And also, why are they called bourbons? They don't have any bourbon in them. I don't know. If anyone can uh, tell us, please do. And also, how do you no, pronounce right bourbon? <laughs> is, it, is it bourbon? Is it bourbon? Well, because it's, it's written Bour bourbon. This is how you pronounce bourbon. You pronounce it bourbon. But I have always pronounced it bourbon <laughs> so, to differentiate it from the, from the alcoholic beverage. It's not the same as wine gums, is it? Because they've got all the... No. the uh, Different, like, well, it's not even wine, it's like port and other what, kind of alcohol. Is that written, on, written on wine on, gums? On the wine gums, yeah. Do they taste of those things? Though? No, they don't, do they? They just taste like They just sweet. taste of sugar. Yeah. So you're writing bourbons on a biscuit and it tastes like a. Is it, is, it, is it supposed to be paired with bourbon? Are you supposed to dip it in bourbon? <laughs> it's far too many. We could start a whole different podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Just biscuits. I like the idea of the biscuit podcast. Biscuit podcast. Yeah. What could be now? We need to come up with a name that's a pun. The k k no, I can't. <laughs> it's going to take a while to think as well. <laughs> I'm just going to eat a bourbon. Bourbon. Okay. Mm. Okay. 
This is the sound of the bourbon. This is a bit like crisps on the radio. Yeah. You know, six music when they uh, they have to try different I think, crisps. And, I think. Uh, do they are they still doing that, or yeah. was that from the nineties or something? No, 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 they're still doing that. I think it's a weekend or something. It's also the radio show in my girlfriend's ear when I eat anything because oh. I'll just like I'll just. <laughs> She's misophonic. She hates that. She has ear. She has. She has different earplugs in every room. What? She has stronger ones in the kitchen so that she can't hear my clanging about when I'm cooking. She doesn't like that. She's got um, complete silence ones in the bedroom. <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to me go on. Because <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't sleep well with, with noise. And then she's got these kind of drop the level ones in the living room. So when we watch TV, because I'm like, can I, I want to turn it up. I want it, I want it loud. I'm watching, like, if, if I'm watching an explosion, I want it to sound like an explosion. I want it up loud, right? She doesn't like loud noises. So she's got that. But secretly, I think she uses those so, so she drowns out my, my eating. I've always been a loud eater. Does she ever get them mixed up? You know, I don't know, because she doesn't listen to me anyway, whichever room we're in. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a... <laughs> this is the this is the secret to a happy relationship. It's like get get her earplugs. earplugs. <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to you ever. Um, anyway, because the worst thing is because we're both bike mechanics. Oh, like no. she gets home, she's like, I don't want to talk about work, and then I'm like, Oh, have you seen this? Blah blah blah. You know, latest thing. Ah, can you believe they're doing this? Internal cabling. Ah. <laughs> You'll never guess what I saw today. She's, she's like, I don't want to talk about work. <sighs> Bringing your work home. Yeah. I know. I can't, I've got to stop doing that. Anyway. Anyway. What were you going to talk about? When oh, I, oh, because uh, you, yeah, because you mentioned like computer, computers doing bike fits. And, and there was an article, I don't know where it was, somebody posted an article, obviously because AI is the, in the zeitgeist at the moment. It's all, not that it, it, it's not AI, it's nothing, nothing of the sort, it's nothing like that. It's just basic software, but somebody posted something about can AI perform your bike fit for you? And so there probably are a bunch of services with software where you will use your camera phone and you'll sit on your bike and it'll film you and then it'll make suggestions on how you should, you know, based on your mm. position. So mm. what do you think of that? And have you seen any of them? Have you tried any of them? Yeah, well, Seller Italia came up with a completely automated bike fit system. Ah. Before all the uh, kind of the, the current kind of trend for AI exploded on the market and so yeah. on. But essentially, that's what it is. It, <clears throat> I think it's been featured on GCN and mm. so on. So you sit on an automated bike fit rig and it will move by itself. So ah, that's, the, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's a different league. Yeah. So the camera looks at you, gets you to pedal, yeah. and then it will make bike fit adjustments based on what it's seeing on the camera. Yeah, okay. But, as always, <laughs> any technology that is uh, created is only as good as its programmer. Yeah. So... Uh, Technology, very cool and has great potential. But does it create great bike fits? At the moment, no. <laughs> I think every single person that has gone through that fit 
or I've seen anyway, and come to me afterwards yeah. has been like, oh, it was a great experience, but was the bike fit any good? Oh, no, it's terrible. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because all it can do is look at the angles and go, well, that angle should be this and that angle should be that, right? It's not going to, it can't ask you how you're feeling. And even yeah. if you did tell it how you're feeling, it can't make judgments no. based on, you know, human intuition and okay. experience. Yeah, I don't think it was really designed for that. Um, it's designed for a bike shop to be able to figure yeah. out which size something exactly, needs, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like a, someone who isn't a bike fitter yeah. can perform a bike fit yeah, yeah. in a shop to get roughly the right size yeah. of bike yeah. for somebody so that they can then sell the bike. Yeah. And, and it comes with a bike database. Yeah. So based on the measurements it spits out with, then it's like, oh, well, you can buy a factor size yeah, okay. or such and such. But it is Italian, so it's not really going to give you, <sighs> give you the best advice. <laughs> Biased advice. <laughs> Biased. Hey, you should buy the Pinarello. <clears throat> well, anyway, the, yeah, so technology so, uh, gets so, you so far. Yeah. But I suppose in that, if, and if you use it properly, if you use the tool properly, then at least maybe you'll walk out of that bike shop with the right size bike. You'll still need a bike fit, but maybe you'll actually have gotten at least the right size frame. It will be in the ballpark. And then you go to a fit. I mean, I don't know how yeah. much, how, so how much of experience have you got of somebody who's gone through that system has come to you with the bike they bought after using that system and has it been the correct size bike for them? Well, not enough to, right. you know, absolutely so, confidently say, yeah. Yeah. you know, they were wrong by 20%. Right, okay. Like that. Um, because what is the right size bike may also... Is a is a matter of opinion yeah. as well as pure numbers, yeah. um, based on goals as well as physiology yeah. and uh, and fit and so, and, and finishing kit, you know? yeah. Because maybe somebody's like, I really like these bars. Yeah, I've got these bars on my current bike. <laughs> yeah. I want to buy a new bike, but I still want to use those bars. And you're like, okay, well that bar has a really long reach. Yeah, because it's an older bar or something. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, so if you really, if you're really married to that bar, and you really want to use the same length stem because you like the feel of it, you like the spe the steering speed and everything of that setup, yeah. then you are going to need a bike that accommodates that. Yeah. You know, whereas if you got something like with different angles or something, then maybe you need it. Might Ooh. need to be longer or shorter. Or I can hear Matt huffing and puffing <laughs> in the background. No, he's completely silent. He's staring. <laughs> he's staring at data. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can build a bike around all kinds of things. I mean, you, I'm sure you've uh, started a bike build based on just one element of a... Oh, know. absolutely. I started a bike build based on uh, a bottom... No, I started it based on the bottom headset cup. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I was like I had I had that headset cup. It was a hope lower headset cup. And I was like, right. How am I gonna, you know What do I put this on? What into? do I put this on? Just like you just have something, you're like, okay, well this is orange, so it's gonna be the bike's gonna be green and then you got you know it just works. It works with the colour. And then it was like, Oh, okay, and then I'm gonna need this fork and blah blah blah. But yeah. Yeah. AI is not going to tell you that, is it? No. So, I I did try to. So I was doing something for my website, 
uh, my new website that we'll, we'll talk about later. Um, and I wanted, it was for a blog post and I just wanted, I made a pun, right? I won't tell you what it was. You have to go to a website and read my blog. Um, I made a pun as one of the title to one of the blog posts and I was like, okay, I want this picture because the pun is like one thing and another thing and they're related and I wanted to be like, so I was like, I went to, the, I went to an AI website. I was like, give me a picture of this, but with this. And it gave me something that was completely not anything oh, really? like, no, of course it did. Yeah, it was rubbish. <laughs> I went to the Bing one and it was like, this is going to take a little bit longer than we thought. And it was like six hours later, it was still thinking. I was like, eh, okay. And then I went to another one and it just popped something out that's so, oh so basic. So like, oh, well, you know, it's like... Uh, well, God, it sounds like the, this style. The, the old age of the internet when, you know, when the internet first came out and you had to download a picture and it would just go line by line. Like, this, it, it, it was, it actually was like that. It was the first time on the internet that I've seen something load so slowly. Really? Like in the age of, you know, the age of when you were a teenager and you went on the old old school internet you had yeah. to you had to wait for pictures <laughs> it'd be cheap it'd be cheaper and quicker to go out to your local news agent and buy a magazine yeah. and sit on the internet in the middle of the night <laughs> but anyway um so. but yeah it wasn't bike pictures yeah of course bike pictures yeah that's yeah. Why, why else would i look at why, why would i look at anything else um, so tell us about your new website. New website. Why new have website. You got a new website. Why have I got a new website? New website. New business. Um, still, free... still wrenching. Still wrenching. Yeah. Wrenching with wrenches, um, or specialist wrenches. Specialist. Specialist wrenches. Um, specialist bike mechanic. For well, you know, I'm not going to limit myself. I'm not going to limit myself to customers, but um, I'm here. You're here. I'm in here. You're in the studio. In the studio. In the corner. Shut me in the corner. Uh, moved myself in. Yeah. You've placed the proverbial toothbrush in the, yeah, in the actually, cup. I actually have a toothbrush. Which, I've got two. I've got one's, one's a metal, oh, metal bristled brush. You really have. For, yeah. That's what I used to brush my teeth. Yeah. And then a regular brush. Um, and a bunch of bike tools and a workbench and uh, yeah, you've parked some... a very heavy workbench. Nice big heavy workbench. Yeah. <laughs> in our lovely studio. <laughs> you wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm calling myself Frequency Cycle Works because it's the first thing that came into my head. Nice. And I, well, I typed it out and I was like, ah, that's a good word. That'll work well in a logo. Um, so that's what it is. Frequency cycle works. So and, yeah. uh, welcome to the studio. Yeah, thank so you. So now uh, punters can come in and they can get their their bikes serviced. Yeah. And wheels built. Wheels built, parts changed, all sorts. Custom bikes built. Custom bikes built. All kinds. Yeah. All under the same roof. Exactly. Which is amazing. So very convenient. <clears throat> Matt's going to have to talk to another person. He's going to have to talk to me. Well, it's not so much a conversation. Well, it's not it's not so much a conversation is it when you when you speak to me it's just you like letting off steam you're, you're not a real person though, so you're like, mine ai i understand i listen to you and i kind i kind of go yeah i just nod i'm like yeah no i mean yeah obviously you're absolutely right um i do uh, <laughs> my expertise in humoring you um but yeah so all set up, 
well, almost all set up. Got about half, half the half the amount of tools that I really need. No, should I say need? Is need the word? Because we were talking about this earlier. Some of it's desire. I think it's like the equivalent for me is saddles. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, because you've got saddle. a lot of saddles. It's, it's never complete. Yeah. There's there's always another tool, isn't there? There's always another tool, another specialist thing, another very expensive bottom bracket standard. There's going to be a new, there's going to be a new, new brake oil or something soon. There, I'm sure. Is there one bottom bracket tool that does no. everything? No. <laughs> this is that. So I've lost track of. All if the any, if anyone, standards. if anyone listening doesn't understand what, why everybody, every mechanic or anyone in the bike industry always laughs every time somebody uses the term bottom bracket standard, is because they're not standard. Nothing standard. There are so many different standards. And every time they come out with a new one, why, why do they still use the word standard? Because it's not. I don't know. What, what else like are you going to use? Bottom like bracket the world model. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so there are a lot of different bottom brackets and they all, well, they nearly all of them need their own, own particular, uh, that's a new word. Particular. Particular, special, particular tool. That tittered Mac. <laughs> that's what we're here you for. You woke up. Yeah. Um, Spaticular. I'm going to use that a lot now. Spaticular. Um, yeah, there's, there are so many specialist tools. The thing is, what I was saying earlier, that 90%, maybe 99% of bike work, any work on a bike, can be done with a like, you know, set, of, a set of Allen keys, like a, a multi-tool. But you just suddenly get to this one little bit, and all of a sudden everything is like totally specialised. And um, not the brand, just the word. Sounds really similar to bike fitting, actually. Yeah, you I think do, there are a lot, everything lot of parallels. Yeah, because you started. Yeah, you yeah. started fitting. Yeah, with on location, didn't you? Yeah, location so, fitting. Uh, uh, yesteryear, I yeah. was not always based in a studio. Um, I guess I started fitting in a shop. Um, mm initially or learning how to fit yeah um which i was pretty lucky to do i was used to fit i got taught how to fit uh, condor cycles by a good good team of people who used to live there actually yeah it was like the a team didn't really yeah. appreciate it at the time but yeah they were really good and now they they all do did they all go around in a van like yeah the <laughs> special bike fit van they they were all really good. I think everyone had to be taught how to bike fit hmm. at Condor because every bike that was sold there was essentially fitted and sized right. before, you know, you could yeah, send it out the door because everything yeah. was uh, essentially customised. So we weren't building like, bespoke bikes as in like, like different so tubes. Standard sized frames, yeah, standard but frames. everything else like your stem, your bars, your... Yeah saddle and everything. was uh, was customized and now i thought that was pretty revolutionary at yeah. the time because that was back in early early 2000s wow yeah and not many people were doing that apart from um fully bespoke uh custom frame builders yeah um but it that's did... how every bike shop should be really yeah that should be yeah. the that should be the benchmark shouldn't it yeah like if you yeah. want to go and buy a bike you are fitted yeah. first even yeah. a basic fit yeah 
So yeah. make sure that you're going to get the right size. Absolutely. And not be stuck with a set of handlebars or stem or yeah. something that you then have to, yeah. well, what are you going to do with it? If, you, yeah. if it's wrong for you, you have to go and buy a new one. You yeah. have to get that installed, so that's more money. And then you've got this other redundant stuff. It's like, well, it's yeah. aftermarket now. It's like you, you can't, yeah. like you're going to get peanuts <clears throat> for it. Yeah. So Absolutely. I think Condor, uh, as much as, uh, you know, we just have to give them credit. Mm. Of, for kind of pushing that process and they still do it to this day which yeah. is great and it's it's definitely the right way to be mm. kind of um selling a bike yeah it's it's more difficult um but it's more it difficult does. to make a sale because you kind of have <clears throat> to put a premium on on the sale don't you because you're including extra service that a lot of bike shops just yeah don't bother with I guess it. Um, they they found a way of making it work from a business perspective, yeah. and that was through selling their own bikes. So they were in yeah. control of the process. Yeah. So they had their own frames. They had a warehouse. They had a workshop with mm -hmm. all the stems, all the parts, all the rest of it. They were. They had an amazing relationship with Campag. Yeah. And probably one of the only kind of real Campag dealers in London at that time who could mm. kind of deal with everything. And they had some fantastic mechanics who uh, could service Campag really, really well. <laughs> they had all the tools too yeah. and so on. But then, and, and just this, you know, all the trays of trinkets and small uh, parts that yeah. you would never normally like find. Like you could repair the ergo levers, but... Wow. I just don't think you can do. They, it's just they, not the same. They designed, they designed repair out of things like bike shifters a long time ago, didn't they? Or just, just the ease of repair. And yeah. So, on. so you can, uh, you can still do it with some of them, but it's like it's more, it's more time than it's worth. Um, for most, everything's become so throwaway, and I think that's the thing with repair, isn't it? It's all of it is. Uh, Time versus yeah, uh, kind of money yeah. and yeah. effort. So it's, know, a, it's you, a shame because usually you've got something that's like, oh, okay, this derailleur's got a rounded bolt. Yeah. If I could, but it's special. It's a special size and it's a whatever, a special length and all that kind of stuff. And if you could get one, you could change it. But yeah, um, yeah. So. Yeah, I think the, the Condor workshop back then was pretty special. It was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, so I went from there to running my own business, which was like mm. a mobile bike fitting business. Yeah. Scary. So yeah. Scary. <laughs> yeah, I think I just I had no idea what I was doing back there in terms of like business. <laughs> just, you know, just go ahead and, and do it. Just do it, It's just yeah. kind of a bit of a young gung-ho kind of attitude to it all um, and that, i mean some of it was just partly because of overheads yeah you know if you don't have a studio then you don't yeah. have to pay rent yeah uh, and that uh takes a massive load mm. off uh, your mind and expenses yeah um so yeah i used to ride around to people's homes on a cargo bike nice. with uh, all my bike fit gear your turbo well, trainer and your... Yeah, fold-up turbo trainer. Yeah. A big Ortley bag full of uh, goodies. 
uh, which <laughs> slowly expanded into more bags with more saddles yeah. and more stems. and Until you got to the point where it's like, okay, it's not feasible to actually go around, visit people's houses anymore. They're going to yeah. need to come to me. Well, yeah, it, there's definitely limitations. Yeah. Like you can do so much and it is great. And, but you are trading convenience for um, practicality. Yeah. You know, there's just, yeah, there's so much you're missing out on mm. if you just have to work on the bike that you are, that you currently have. Yeah. Like if, if this is a wrong size bike, then, you know, you, you're just trying to fit a, a round <laughs> peg into a square hole. Yeah. This is saying, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like everything. It's like you, you kind of, you kind of get comfortable well, as a mechanic, like freelance mechanic. It's like you go into different workshops, yeah. and they have all, the, they've got all the stuff. Yeah, they've got, all the, they've got the, the capital to buy. They've got all these special tools. They've got every, you know, they might not be in great condition, but mm. they've got everything. And if you do stuff mobile, it's like, well, okay, I need to know as much about the bike. Yeah. Before yeah. I get there, because I need to. You know, there's only so much stuff you can fit yeah. in, a, in a backpack or something. Yeah. It's heavy as well. Yeah. And you know you don't want to get there all like knackered and flustered and yeah. stuff, and, and then have to work on something. I don't know. There's a time and a place. Like I might well go back to doing a bit of mobile at some point, just because of that being able to offer that convenience. Mm. Um, but it, as you said, it really depends on what the customer needs. Yeah. And having the studio essentially allows us to create a better experience mm. for the customer overall in the time that we've got yeah. and with the resources that we've got. You're already set up. So that setup time and strike down time is eliminated. Yeah. You know, But even just like really simple things like we've got you know, 150 saddles in, yeah. the, in this room. <laughs> it's all I see when I look at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> saddles. I can't carry 150 <laughs> saddles around to someone. I'm surprised house. somebody hasn't made a saddle that's like, you know, modular bits and pieces. Oh, and you go, oh yeah, is that there, coming? There is, yeah. Is there there is, is a, a, there's a saddle called the Bi Saddle, oh. which is a, yeah, it's a modular saddle. I mean, it's still limited, but yeah, yeah. it does, you can uh, expand the rear the, oh, okay. and you can expand the front of it independently yeah. or at the same time so you That's can vary width but also kind of angle of it um, see i kind of i feel like i want that for my <laughs> oh matt's just looked it up on me <laughs> i feel like i want that for my actual bike like i want it to be but i want it to be automatic because i've always had this idea that if i yeah probably would but i've always had this idea that like when you go from like riding upright on the tops yeah. and you're just cruising around and then suddenly you're going to descend a mountain and he's like you go forward do you remember auto man <laughs> do you remember auto man from the 80s it was yeah. like a cheap night rider or something but the guy was a car yeah. he turned into a car i don't he i remember what was it was weird he just turned into a car and and it was like he would just get no it was a, was it a bike or a car i don't know anyway or like tron you know when they go yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. the and i always had this idea like yeah when you get like more aero. more aggressive more aero your position changes a little bit to like, like enable it. That that was kind of the promise of the physique area, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like, well, the saddle is so long, you can adopt it, loads it, of different positions. It didn't particularly adapt, <laughs> but um, just made you feel like you can slide off the back of it half the time. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many different concepts of what should and should be 
Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's why I like Saddles so much because there's so many different ones and they're constantly uh, evolving. But that's again, that's the advantage of having the studio with the full range of that and a quick release sort of set up on the jig is mm. that you know because you just you you need somebody to get on there and start pedaling and then like you know give them get get some feedback from them and figure out what it is and then you can like make an informed decision as to what let's try a different let's try this one yeah. let's try that yeah, and yeah. you can just do it and it's really quick and it's yeah. easy and it's not like you know you don't have to fumble around with with allen keys and trying to wrench it off their old bike and put a new one on and yeah. then remember how to put that back if yeah. you know so that makes it yeah, so it all comes back to the experience. You yeah. can get better results, better experience, do more testing, yeah. all in a, a shorter space of time. So, but you know, it depends what what the priority is. Yeah. You know, for some people, maybe it's really hard to get to the studio. That's so it. That's it, can, isn't it? Some can... people who can't necessarily get down here, um, you can if you can go to them. If they got time constraints, they got family or whatever, or they can't. Yeah. You know, they yeah. they haven't got the three or four hours to spend yeah it's um away from home yeah there's a time and a place which is why there's lots of different bike fitters out there and yeah lots of different services and it's great so i'm sure someone has taken my uh mobile fitting space somewhere yeah doing that going house to house yeah i'm sure there's a couple of people doing yeah. it yeah it was really interesting, though. I love going around other yeah. people's houses, <laughs> <laughs> just seeing like different setups. It'd be quite amazing to seeing the sheer variety of different homes. And if, it was, I was always surprised as well because it's quite, it's quite intimate, you know, coming into yeah. someone's home yeah. and yeah. you know, it's spending a, real... a couple of hours with them. Yeah, you know, working through uh, their bike, their thing. issues. It's yeah. kind of it, it. It is. It's always nice to do one-on-one personal mm. uh, work with any anyone because it's like you you get through a hell of a lot just speaking to somebody face-to-face mm. yeah like especially in the same room yeah you know stuff that they're kind of different levels they're like you know your first port of call is like email and like email you don't really get much. Yeah. it takes you know it takes you know 72 hours and 200 emails back and forth mm. to say what mm. you could say like on the phone in maybe yeah. five ten minutes mm. and then face to face even less time mm. sometimes it's just like the look somebody gives mm. you like you know mm. sit on a bike and pedal and as yeah. soon as you could be like <laughs> the look that matt's giving me now is scary um, <laughs> there's a theme up here. but it's <laughs> i could see under that under his under his the computer glare. screen um you know yeah Im- imagine you get somebody in here and it's like you don't it's no nonsense it's just sit on there a couple of pedal strokes and then they'll stand straight up and they go like this is not for me mm. you know and you could be like okay good yeah. get that off put something you know yeah. and get through get through those decisions really quickly yeah did you ever do any mobile mechanicing yeah, i did, mo- did yeah. yeah did loads um but bef- because before i was a mechanic i was a photographer mm. and i did a lot of location stuff um, I was doing a lot of corporate stuff because that's where the money is. Because mm. you know everyone gets into photography or any any creative discipline, right? Mm. You get into it because it's creative, and you're like, yeah, cool. I'm gonna, I'm an artist, right? And then before you know it, you're like, ah, creative stuff doesn't pay. <laughs> like, doesn't pay. 
An account you're you're an accountant with a camera. That is that. That is it. That is literally it. it that's what um, corporate photography is like. Uh, so like, oh yeah, exactly. So oh god, I don't think I could ever be a freelance musician. That would be really no. I'm an artist. I'm an artist. If I pick up a guitar, I don't want notes. All right. I just want vibes. <laughs> <laughs> but th 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 this is exactly what it like to be a photographer because you're like okay creative stuff doesn't pay and the stuff that isn't creative does pay mm. but it's soul sucking right mm. and um and on top of all of that you also have this uh like like you had with the mobile bike fit it's like your kit just grows and grows and grows <laughs> yeah. and eventually because no it doesn't matter what people tell you when you turn up to the place where they've said, oh, no, it's a really big, well-lit room. You won't even need yeah. any lights, you know. And then you turn up and it's like, no, it's a dark room, mate. Like, yeah. this is like, the camera cannot see anything. And so you need, yeah, suddenly you need equipment and you also need space and you also need people to, like, stay out of the way while you're setting everything up and then come back when you need them to be in front of the camera. And then you've got to do this other thing, which obviously you do with people with bike fits, is that you have to be nice to them. <laughs> You can't just like, <laughs> Matt's just like, nah, you don't mean nice. You, you, right, so if you want somebody, it's, this is your living, this is your, it's your job, they've hired you, they're paying you because you're supposedly so great and you've got all these amazing images up on your website, right? And you have to very gently remind them that look, the reason that the images you saw on my website were all so good is because those people were cooperative, right? Now, if you stand there in front of the camera and go, oh, I hate having my picture taken. I hate it. Oh, so that's the first thing you say to me. Well, that's not very confidence inspiring, is it? It's like, it's, this is a two-way thing, right? Like, I'm not going to get a good picture of you. But you can't say that to them. You can't say, look, it's just, you, you're going to be hideous unless you start listening to direction, you know? Um, so it becomes this, there's this whole social interaction thing with people where you've got to put them at ease. At the same time, you're trying to put them at ease as you are secret like you know so glancing down like fiddling with your camera settings trying to moving lights around and trying to make it so that that works so you're doing this basically it's mental arithmetic that you're doing to try and make the scene look right and to light it properly and make sure your exposure exposure is correct and at the same time you have to be engaging that person the whole time as you're doing all this mental arithmetic so that they're ready when you're ready to take the picture or 300 as it were um, to make sure that you get a good basically a good performance out of your your artist your artiste you know that you're trying to trying to make look good because if you then send them 50 pictures of them looking miserable they're gonna be like oh you're not a very good photographer are you? well you're not a very good subject <laughs> you know <laughs> it gets to that point where you're like well different strokes some people are really great behind the camera or in front of the camera and some people are just some people need their ego massaging quite a lot saying that there's a lot more skill than just being behind the camera. It's a lot more skill than just pressing the button, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so all the, all the, you know, all the blokes at weddings where they come up to you, they go, oh, I've got, I've got the same camera, mate. Like, well, you know, like I've got a Grand Prix car, but it doesn't make me... A F1 driver. F1 driver. Yeah. I was going to name one and I was like, no. ah, no. Oh, Fernando Alonso, there you go. He's my favourite one. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, it's um, it runs through any kind of uh, I guess business, self business, mm. um, self employed person who you're your own product. 
Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't drop the ball. You can't afford to do a bad job. It's not that you're, like, doing a good job because you're afraid of doing a bad job. But you're like, well, I don't, I want, to, I want it to be good. You know, I want them to be happy. Yeah. Because that reinforces the fact that I know what I'm doing, surely, right? Well, so. that's the key difference between selling products and selling services. Yeah. Because selling services, you, you're selling yourself. You're, you're selling the person as well yeah. as the skill that yeah. you employ. So it's like finding a good plumber, right? Once you found yeah. a good plumber, you always want to go back to that plumber because you know that they're going to do a good job. You yeah. like the way they talk or whatever yeah. it is. Um, you have a connection. And so there is um, a relationship. There is, it takes a skill it's, to yeah. communicate. It's a, skill, it's a skill in personality and a skill at what they do for a living. They mm. actually do a really good job. And you're like, that's invaluable that not only are you really good at doing that thing, like my plumbing or anything else, mm. but that I'm comfortable having you of being around you mm. like mm. especially like you know with a plumber or a, a gas engineer or anything it's like well they they come into your house yeah right or like you with a thing or me take a photograph of people like they come into your house and you need to be comfortable with them in your house yeah like you know i've had a i had a plumber recently come and do our heating and our boiler and everything and it's like such a nice guy and yeah. like yeah. so like from the first five ten minutes i was like well i, I need to pop out so you're good, mm. you know, and I was like, it's fine. I didn't feel like he was going to eat my cat. Yeah. While I was gone. <laughs> is, that, is that a reality? Is that a thing? Is that a fear? <laughs> is that a, a, a recurring nightmare that I have? Somebody comes around and eats my cat. Um, it saved me money on cat food, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. let me ask you this then. Uh -huh. uh, is this, why are bike mechanics always grumpy? Because bikes, because bikes are a pain in the ass. Um, because I tell you why. Okay, I, I tell you why bike mechanics, on the whole, have a reputation for being grumpy. Is because it's being a bike mechanic is basically you're you're an engineer, right? So um, and people, are, you are an engineer. That's what mechanic means. It's short. But Matt, looking at me in a he's now he's looking it up. Mechanical engineer. That's what it's short for, <laughs> right? It's <laughs> literally googling it now. It's like, nah, nah, mechanics just mechanic. Uh, it's but it is it's engineering. So there's a certain level of of. Um... In terms of automobiles <laughs> and mechanics, engineers work on vehicles in a broader sense and are involved in everything from designing and developing new vehicles to improving performance. On the other hand, <laughs> are you so making this bit up? Mechanics diagnose and repair vehicles are typically in a garage or. <laughs> Diagnose Google. Google, yeah, Google knows it all. Anyway, so. Oh, is that what you're googling now? I see it as an engineer. I grew up surrounded by engineers, you know, and um, well, it takes more of a hands-on approach. He takes things apart and looks for signs of a problem, while an engineer uses computers and technology to and extract data to identify issues. They keep using the term vehicle. They're talking about cars. They're always talking about cars. It's different. Bikes are actually, I would say, okay, I would say this, and I know people will scoff at me, bikes are a lot more difficult to work on than cars. Because cars, are everything's proprietary. Everything is like, that needs replacing. 
click a button, they send you the whole thing. All you got to do is bolt it on. You don't have to know how it works. You know, have you ever changed a wheel bearing on a car? You don't change the bearings. You just get a new bit, new bit with the bearing already in it and everything. It's like, it's simple as, it's not like nothing. <laughs> like you can see me seething. Like, how dare you question my expertise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, but it you know it's 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 finicky and it's like there's lots of different because because it's not as standardized as something like cars or yeah, a lot yeah. of other things. There are so many like everyone comes out with a new everyone standards. Everything's new standards and new, new proprietary things, <laughs> and they think they're being clever and actually like you know. And then there's all this. You know, we've talked about market disruption. Mm, Everyone's trying to mm. disrupt rather than rather than um, uh, incrementally improve. Mm. They're just like, no, we're going to do it completely different like that, and that, oh, that's going to be our selling point. You know, mm. I don't know where I was going with this. Something about being a mechanic. What was the question? <laughs> why mechanics grumpy? Oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's right. That's right. It's but uh, the 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 point I was trying to make before you got me all flustered was um, that a lot of people with that kind of mechanical mind that, that are interested in doing these things, which, you know, it takes a certain certain methodology and ethos of how to go about things. You have to be very methodical, right? Because you're going to take things apart. Mm. You have to remember how they go back together and all of this sort of thing. And um, those people tend to be on the spectrum, right? <laughs> so... As you're on the spectrum, and you, the, the you know, the more you you have to like you know have a very methodical, logical mind in in one sort of aspect of things. Sometimes, being personable is uh, you know that's further back in the, the that's lower in the priorities, right? So you send, tend to get a lot of lot of people in the bike industry, a lot of mechanics particularly, um, kind of bit on the spectrum, and uh, not the most personable. Especially from the old school, you know, the mechanic was always in the, you know, they were in the, in the back. Mm. They didn't, you know, the old, the old school way of doing things is you walked into a place, whether it was a, a bike shop or whatever, and there's somebody, and they still do this with, with like, you know, car, um, car mechanics and kind of places like that, where you walk in, the person that you speak to at the desk is not necessarily the person that's going to be working on your car or your bike or your blah, blah, mm. blah, right? So they're there to make you comfortable and be like, oh, three bags full, sir, you know, well, yeah, of course, we'll take care of it, no problem, just sign here. You know, whereas the mechanics are like, you know, covered in oil at the back, right, with their baseball caps on backwards, listening to Sepultura or whatever. Um, and they're just, you know, spanner in the hand and you know, they just get on with the work. So they didn't always have to uh, interact well, with the customers. As one mechanic always told me that, uh, you know, no one wants to see their Colnago C68 being smashed Ex with a sledgehammer. Exactly. That's, yeah, I, the, more than one bike workshop that I have worked in, in fact, most of them, they usually have like an, an L-shaped kind of room. <laughs> so you get, the customer comes in and then it's like, you take the bike round the corner, they can't see it, and then you smack it with a hammer. Covered in <laughs> egg boxes. <Yeah. laughs> Dead uh, in the sound. So, yeah, so, but you, you do get that and a, a lot of the time because you get, you know, everybody thinks they know everything because they've googled it or they've gone on you know now we've got things like 
GCN and all these places that like, you know, they, they're trying to kind of to a certain extent educating people, but there's a lot more to it than you can get in a five minute video. And mm. so I think there are a lot of mechanics. Not only are they on the spectrum, so their personal skills are not amazing, but also if your first experience is the customer comes along and says, this is wrong with it, you know, and you're like, you take one look at it and you're like, yeah, that's not the problem. Yeah. But yeah, if I'm nice, I'll be like, okay, well, let me have a look, you know, and that's the thing. It's like a lot of, there's a lot of pre-resentment, you know, you'll, you have a bad, all you need to do is have a bad experience with one, one person and that reflects on your whole day or your whole week or anything. I think that, I think that happens in, in everything, you know. I mean, yeah. you say mechanics are grumpy. Uh, people who work in kitchens are grumpy. <laughs> and that's the same thing. It's kind of the, they're in yeah. the back. You know, they don't have to deal with... If a customer complains about their food, yeah, the yeah. waiter has to deal with the customer. Yeah. They come back to the, the kitchen and then, you know, they get shouted yeah, yeah. at. So it's like we, we've kind of moved... Um, in the service industry, we're moving more to direct interaction mm. and bike mechanics are probably one of the, maybe one of the first of those kind of service industries where you're much more likely to speak directly to the person who's doing the work mm. you know mm. so and they've got a lot on their mind yeah. <laughs> they're covered in grease they're trying to get your whatever you know hoses through your your frame and uh yeah, yeah, not not all not all bike mechanics are, are grumpy, but when you, people are far more likely to be face to face with a bike mechanic throughout the range of emotions that they go through when they're working on stuff. I think um, bikes don't answer back, do they? No, that's they're the thing. Just, they're, they're... Well, uh, sometimes they do. <laughs> sometimes they make noises. Yeah. When they want to tell you there's something wrong, um, which is a good way usually of diagnosing stuff. It's like, yeah, it's making mm. a noise. It shouldn't make a noise. And, uh... But there's there's a finite amount of possibilities yeah. with a bike, whereas when you have to deal with a human being, there's a whole other level mm. of uh, understanding, communication, yeah. un like just ability to uh empathize yeah and well empathy and compassion are two things that are quite rare in the service industry i think they shouldn't be they should be almost the priority but you can sometimes get faced with you know somebody else's they're coming off another issue in their life and then they come to you and then they bring their baggage with them you know all the time because yeah uh, like but in bike fit it might like some of the you do wonder like oh i'm experiencing this pain i'm experiencing that pain it's mm. like you know first of all relax <laughs> breathe you know you might need to like do a little bit of yoga or something or, or like yeah yeah no. light a, a an incense stick or something <laughs> to chill people out <laughs> Because yeah, yeah, people like they say they have stresses, they have stresses and strains, and they have like like mental stresses, and that affects your physical being oh, yeah. Yeah, as well, doesn't it? So usually I start with a cup of tea. Well, normally, yeah, exactly. That's, that's always that normally the, works pretty well. I think the the offer of a drink is always is always nice to have 
that option there. It's good because. Huh? Do you want tea? Is that an tea? You're closer to the kettle than I am, I think. <laughs> Actually, I've got a wireless mic on. I can go and put the kettle on. <clears throat> I like the um, fact that the Brita water filter actually has a little light on it. Everything's getting smart now. Just, a, it's, it's an it's unnecessary <laughs> addition. Yeah. It just reminds me I haven't changed the filter for <laughs> that's what, that's what it's too saying. long. Red. Yeah. yeah. See, uh, they should introduce that for bikes. Ooh. You have a little light when, and when, when it starts flashing red, go see your mechanic. Ooh. That'd be great. And then we would hack them and we would get people to come more often. It'd be quite useful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about compassion and empathy. <laughs> and not technology. <laughs> not technology. Uh, into, yeah, well, that, this is, again, okay, uh, it, all, it all culminates into one thing because technology or AI, I use air quotes to, to say it in, with, with a tongue in my cheek, um, none of those, those things, they don't have compassion or empathy. Mm. They mm. can pretend that they do, but they don't. And there's the difference between doing an AI bike fit or actually going to yeah. see somebody, you know? Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And that's probably the difference between going to a good mechanic and, yeah. you know, someone who's just following the instruction booklet. Mm. Um, oh, that, I mean, that's another thing. Instructions don't tell you yeah. anything. Yeah, this is the thing that boggles me about the, the bike industry. Like nothing has, an instruction there's, manual no, really there's, that works. There's, yeah. there's kind of vague well, pictures so and outlines. The, there, is, there are instructions and there are guides and all of those things will say, okay, step one, step two, step three, this is how it's supposed to work when everything is brand new and everything is good. Yeah. But of course, you know, more often than not, what you get is mm. there's something wrong with it. So yeah. it's like those yeah. steps are not going to work. Yeah. It's full of gunk or... Yeah, exactly. First you have to clean it. it. First you have to check... Then you have to check it. You have to triage it. You have yeah. to diagnose the problems. And then you have to figure out, okay, can it be fixed? Yeah. Uh, can it be fixed easily? Can it be taken apart to be fixed in the first place? Does it need replacing? Mm. And then all of those things. And then, you know, okay, now I've got to email somebody and say, look, I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to pay this much money for a completely new part because you, you know, it, you, yeah. you broke it <laughs> or it broke, you know. And I suppose, how does that relate to people's physical ailments as well? Because, you know, somebody can be riding the wrong fit, yeah, um, the wrong fit bike, um, you know, something is, is, is wrong, but they didn't really identify it. And they just kept going and then they did themselves something a little bit more of a long-term injury, you know. I guess it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, human beings are a little bit more difficult mm. because things don't generally just break or snap. Yeah. Just like that. Unless it's a really traumatic experience. Yeah. Like a crash. <laughs> like a, yeah. The human body has an amazing <laughs> ability to absorb and adapt. Yeah. And and particularly on the bike because of the nature of cycling, the nature mm. of it being non-impact. Yes, is that mainly yeah. the thing? Is there a bike version of Just riding along. <laughs> um, just I mean all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, mean, I was just riding along when. 
I don't know. Like, it's. I mean, all right. I was wearing a very, very heavy backpack full of tools on the way here, and now I'm like my shoulder. Like, and, and a minute ago, like I twitched, and I was like, oh. What's that? What happened there? And it was like, only because it's such a recent event that I was like, oh yeah, I was wearing a backpack that was way, way too heavy. Yeah. And, but, you know, that can happen too. Yeah, I think you have to think of, like, the body has its own internal red flashing light, mm. <laughs> like, similar to the Brita water yeah. filter. <laughs> the you body know? is a Brita water filter. Yeah, like, your pain or Ooh. the signals that your body Just sends that. out as pain is essentially your your warning signals. Your um, um, yeah, like your your body is trying to tell you something by mm -hmm. sending you pain signals. But there are different types of pain, right? But, well, like it's it's all pain. Like your body is trying to tell yeah. you the same yeah. thing. But there are some pains that you can feedback. Yeah, yeah feedback as opposed to pain. Yeah. There are some pains that are like oh, something's not quite right. If I carry on like this for another 12 hours, maybe, you know, this is going to cause more problems. Sure. I'm going to eat that biscuit before it falls on my cheek. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. Um, and then there are the sharp, I, the I sharp think, pains like that. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think there's... I think this is probably the trickiest part of bike fitting or riding a bike hmm. that m most people kind of have to spend a bit of time just getting to know their bodies mm. in order to make a judgment call on it. Uh, the way we put it is that you always want to be in control of your pain. Yeah. So if you push hard on the pedals, then you're going to put more force into the pedals. Your muscles are going to burn because they're doing more work. Um, that is essentially pain. There's a certain type of pain, yeah. But when you stop pushing hard on the pedals, then that pain goes away. Yeah. So you can choose when to... Put yourself into pain yeah or not but the the mechanism is still the same like the more you push and the the more painful it gets yeah. because your body is trying to stop you mm -hmm. from doing that thing yeah <clears throat> and endurance athletes are very good at yeah. ignoring that yeah, yeah pain and pushing their bodies to do more and more and more and there's uh, another there, there's <clears throat> maybe another little aspect to that which is um if you are Pushing, let's say you're pushing on your bicycle, mm. you're, but you're but you're, you're not you're not commuting to work through London. You're riding up uh, an alpine climb. I, it's really hot, isn't it? Yeah, trying to burn <laughs> our mouth off. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, that, I've got. That's me. a different kind of pain. That's a different <laughs> a kind of pain. pain. That's a, like stop drinking that now. <laughs> that's hotter than the water that I get out of my kettle at home. Do you know why that is? Because it's warmer in this room. Ah, Otherwise. before it starts to cool down. Physics. Yeah, I know that. I'm an engineer. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> creative brewing. <laughs> yeah, creative brewing. Um, but yeah, okay, I've, I've experienced that pain of like, yeah. or racing or whatever, or like racing around here in the rain and, yeah. and like not having a good time, yeah. but pushing and getting that pain. That exact same feeling but climbing a mountain in France mm. when it was a 35 degree summer day, yeah. beautiful and like, you know, there's goats running around and it's amazing. Mm. It's like almost enjoyable. It's like a completely, it's so much in your mind yeah. telling you whether something's bad or good. It's like, that was like going up the mountains in France was like, 
I love it. You know, it's like, this is almost like it's a challenge to overcome. Yeah. Feel, that burn felt good. It felt good. And I think that's yeah. what people experience with. They go to the gym. Yeah, and they, yeah. they, you know, because you know, when you know you're doing it to yourself and yeah. it's like your choice, mm. Mm. it can be almost like, you know, enjoyable. Because yeah. you know you're relating it to having a sort of creating some kind of progress. Uh, absolutely, yeah. There's, there's a very much a... Uh, mental side to it. At the end of the day, pain is just a feeling. Mm. It's sensory feedback, which you and your, your brain is relating to certain experiences. So if you've had a bad experience mm. and you associate that feeling yeah. with that bad experience, yeah. then you're going to try and avoid that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's the opposite, then, yeah. you know, if it's a, you associate it, you know, that kind of discomfort with you know a reaching a high goal and yeah. achieving something that you never thought you'd yeah, be able to yeah, achieve exactly. then you're going to associate that as a positive yeah. kind of outcome because you're getting serotonin yeah coming out of your you know and uh, but also the body's really right? good at forgetting in some ways like yeah. you know childbirth I mean, oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. like the most painful thing you'll ever experience. how do you know <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I, I will never have to experience that, but uh, my wife tells me otherwise. She gives you the look every yeah. time you mention it. Yeah. So we don't talk Ooh. about that in this house. <laughs> but then, um, you know, there, there is the, the other pain uh, that you need to be aware of is the, the pain that you're not in control of. Mm. So the pain that is being subject to you. So a bit like the, in the crit race, you yeah. are being subject to pain by others yeah um, yeah you, you know you're chasing and you're like oh, yeah you are subject i want to be yeah me, i want to be in control know. if i was in, in control of this pain yeah. and i was turning the thumb screws yeah, on the yeah, others yeah. as it were which some like you know that yeah. that's the thing sometimes you're doing that and sometimes you're having yeah. the thumb screws turned on you yeah. and it's like yeah the difference between it's exactly the same pain yeah but sometimes it's enjoyable sometimes it's not yeah and and the body has different ways of telling you you know what is good pain what is mm. not like the, the intensity of the pain, the sharp pain. Sharpness of the pain. If yeah. it lingers, you know, if you get yeah. off the bike and you're still feeling pain, mm. then your body is trying to tell you something. And I don't keep doing that. Yeah. I'm, you've got to a stage where you've kind of created so much damage that I'm going to continue giving you pain to yeah. stop you from doing that. Yeah. Pain. Yeah. Whereas if the pain goes away, then, you know, crack on. Yeah. So <clears throat> there is a learning process in in sport i think um just trying to figure out what is good pain what is bad pain mm. what is not um you know things like saddle sores yeah definitely not good, not good pain <laughs> you don't have to deal with them uh, even you know though all the stories from pro ranks tell you about all the terrible pains that they've gone yeah. through you know that doesn't have to happen there are changes that you can make yeah. to, you know, ensure that you don't have saddle sores. Well, uh, one of the big ones is, you know, stop riding for a bit. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're a pro and you're like, you know, you're yeah. racing a three-week yeah. race, you can't, you don't have that luxury, right? Yeah. You have to deal with it once it's there. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there are, again, there are so many ways of dealing with it once it does happen and then changing something yeah. to ensure that it doesn't happen yeah. continuously. Yeah. As Matt says, you know, the, the question is always at the end of the day, at what cost? Yeah. So, you know, if you are a pro and you're 
livelihood depends on you riding, then you're you, getting paid for it. So yeah, you know, you're probably going to suck find it up. Way. Yeah. <laughs> but or is... you're getting paid for it. So uh, hopefully, you're going to be surrounded by very good people with lots of expertise to help you mm. make the changes that mean that you don't have to suffer. But at, again, at what cost? Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, longevity of um, athletic ability and athletes. Yeah. Is is a really big question, you know, you and wanna... a lot of, and a lot of them are being asked to, um, you know, stay on a lot longer than they mm. used to be. Well, it's mm. a bit. I mean, maybe it's a bit of both, you know, that because we've had a few, few quite pro high profile athletes recent mm. in recent years who have actually just, you know, they've just stopped. Yeah, they've just yeah. disappeared from from yeah. the sport, and it's turned out that. They were dealing with something like whereas mental health issues or mm. just like just too much. And like, how long does a career have to be when you're going to be an elite level athlete? Mm. You know, it's 10 years too long. It's 20 years too long. I don't know. There was a recent uh, interview with uh, Cav yeah. on the Rich Roll podcast. And he was talking about how he, he's, he's like 39 now. But yeah. he's still racing. But he's still the fastest racing. man on the planet. Yeah. You know, he's like he would have broken that record. I'm sorry. He would have broken that record had his gears worked. <laughs> but he was using electronic gears. <laughs> Something happened and he, you know, like all of a sudden he couldn't get into the right gear. And he would have like, he would have totally creamed them all. He's still the fastest guy out there. As long as he's in the right place at the right time. And that's something that you can't teach. That's something that that level of experience mm. that he has, he mm. puts himself in the right place. And as yeah. long as his equipment holds up and mm. he doesn't crash, yeah. you know, yeah, what's that? He's the smartest, he's not the fastest. I thought that was Valverde. I thought he was the smartest. No, but mm. like, of all the, like, the power crazed thugs that win sprint stages, yeah. like, Cavs by far. Oh, he is an absolute power, genius. Yeah, you don't need power. You don't need power to win a sprint. You need technique and and brains. I think I think when he's I think when he's put himself in the right place and he bolts, I think he's got the longest. He's got the longest kick, but he has to have started from a certain place and he has to be on the right wheel. And these are all things that he's really good at doing. Right. <laughs> if you do it like Japanese gearing racing, everyone should be on 105. Yeah. Everyone in the pro tour. Everybody should be on the same equipment. Should be on 105 and cancel. Separate. Same same bike, yeah. same equipment. Same bike. You Can you imagine? It. That would change. Well, the thing is, I, I don't think I don't think anything would change. That's the thing because, or it's all it's all it's all marketing. <laughs> They're all the same. All the bikes are the same. They're just like some of them a bit lighter, some of them a bit stiffer. But at the end of the day. They, they, it's the person's, it's your legs that matter. Mm. But with the way pros, I'm sure a lot of pros look at other pros and be like, oh, I really wish I had that equipment or this doesn't yeah. really fit me properly. I wish Maybe, I Maybe, yeah, if it does. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, but now, now he, he's not going to say that anymore, is he? Because he's just bought like 20% of factor bikes. Is he? Yeah, he's really? he's a major shareholder now. No way. Yeah, which is funny because like literally like yesterday he was complaining about the bike and saying, "Oh, don't like disc brakes." <laughs> oh, 
yeah. Funny. I don't know about that story. That, that man's been through a lot, though. You know. You know, I, I take it with a pinch of salt, but at the same time, it's like, oh, like for clarity, we're talking about Chris Froome turning around and saying, oh, it turns out my bike fit is out by centimeters. Three centimeters. And it's like, really? You didn't notice that? Yeah. You did not notice that? Didn't you uh, win tour, four tours? Yeah. I. The thing is, I. I can kind of believe it, but I'm also a little bit aghast that nobody else would have realised it, including himself and all his helpers and his team. Helpers. <laughs> his little helpers. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I he's got, he's got a very uh, long and illustrious career, a lot of experience, a lot of wins, to be to to un, to be able to understand those things so i'm just I'm, it's not that i don't believe him but i'm curious to know more like if he was to write a blog about it i would read it because i want to know how the hell did you not notice like what happened there well froon's froon's mechanic you know imagine you were froon's mechanic you would absolutely know. i'd cane him yeah <laughs> i would literally put i would be like what do you mean how can it be like i measured it it's the same as your old, but how did his mechanic not... I've got wider context, right? So, if you think about the bike in question in that article in yeah. all red, which yeah. is 2015 story, yeah. right? if you think about what's happened in the world, not just in his career, mm. but in like, the world in general, yeah. he's had a shattered pelvis, yeah. or femur, or whatever yeah. it was in that time. Life-changing bike. Mm. We've been through a global pandemic yeah. in that time as well. Bobby's changed. Yeah, he's changed. Is one one of his legs is probably two centimeters shorter now, or something? Yeah. So of course it's going to change. Three. Yeah, the reach. Three centimeters reach. No, he said the three. The reach was three centimeters too long. Ah, okay. But also, what's he measuring? Like what? Yeah, yeah. No one really knows. It's the same with yeah. You know, where are you measuring from? Are you measuring from the tip of the saddle? Have you changed your saddle? Is it a different saddle? The seat tube angle is different on that bike. The top tube's longer. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that anyway. Let's face it. As amazing a bike rider as Chris Froome is, I'm very much like a Chris Froome fan. No, I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most of them probably don't. I think actually, you took because you talk about Cav. Cav is somebody that I believe absolutely could probably uh, recite all the measurements of his fit right now. Yeah. You'd ask him like, "What's your reach? It's this from this part of the saddle to that." I, I, it's just I've I've heard him talking about like you know positions in points races, like narrating an entire points race from memory. Like, how the hell did you know where everybody else was and what the, and how many laps down somebody else was and, and all this? I just like, can't fathom. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's great, he's a genius. We've got to get him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're listening, Cav, are you listening, mate? Um, but he, yeah, so. He'd the, have us for breakfast. He would, but I, I, I <laughs> Fair play to him. I, I would love to. He, he's one of the very, very few pros who, when he does ultimately retire, and I know he doesn't, he keeps saying, oh, he's not going to go into commentary or anything. I want him commentating. I want him doing the Sean Kelly job when Sean Kelly retires because he's got, no, he's, 
Imagine the insights that you would get from somebody like him. Mm. He, he'll stay in sport. For sure. Oh, he'll absolutely like, stay in sport, yeah. But I think I feel like he really just needs that that one more win. <laughs> he just needs that one more tour stage. And then he'll probably, I, I reckon he'd cross the line and he'd be like, that's it, I'm done. I no, feel, I feel like it, that's exactly what will yeah. happen. If he wins a tour stage next year, he will retire on the spot. He just needs one. Is it? Does it start with a time trial and then a flat stage? It's a lot climbing. But is it the first, the second? Is that first stage is going to be a time trial, or something like that? And then the second stage, if it's flat, that's the one he's going to want. He wants to go for that. Just go that, and then just like go straight into the commentary box, straight from the bike. Get off the bike, take the trophy and your little lion, and just walk into the commentary box, and be like. Discovery Plus, give me a job. Well, it's not in a, GCM Plus, not GCM Plus anymore. No. Um, anyway. Anyway, <laughs> so somehow we managed to get from uh, Marks and Spencer's Bourbon Child yeah. biscuits <laughs> to Bourbon Child, <laughs> the illegitimate <laughs> child, <laughs> to uh, Cav's uh, retirement <laughs> process. Just thinking of a custard cream and a bourbon in the back room somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, the whole we've point covered, of this we've podcast was uh, just to say, welcome to Ev. Yeah. Welcome to right. the uh, Foundation Bike Fit Studio. Mm. And uh, yeah, if you want your bike serviced by a uh, conscientious and skilled mechanic, then uh, yeah, come on by. That's, that's, what I've been that's what I've been called in the past sometimes. Um, FrequencyCycleWorks.com. Dot com. Com. That's not very trendy. Dot com. What, the dot com? Everyone, yeah, dot com. Do you know how much it? dot biz and dot bike is? <laughs> I don't, I don't That's know. the first thing I checked. <laughs> really? I was like, I'm not paying 40 quid a year for dot, dot bike. Yeah, don't, I mean, like, surely it's cycle works. It's in the name, right? Do I need, like... No, I like dot com. I, I, think, I think because if you say the name... You say, oh, they say, what's the name of your, your workshop? What's the name of your business? You'll say, Frequency Cycle Works. And it's like the immediate assumption is go, oh, is it .com then? Yeah. Like, you're going to try that first. So, but hopefully people will just link to me through your website. <laughs> 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 or or any other, any, anyone else who wants to uh, host a link to my website. I'm very happy to Good stuff. figure out some kind of deal. Right. Um, yeah. And if one. you come in for a service, then uh, everyone make you a cup of tea. Yes. <laughs> I might make you a cup of tea. Or coffee. Or coffee, yeah. We're very accepting. Of all kinds. All types. Hmm. All right. Till next time. Let's, let's, yeah, till next time. Let's, uh, what are we going to talk about next week? Let's call it next week. Next week? I don't know. We'll have Matt back on, so probably more mm. ranting. Ranting about admin. That the admin. admin rant. Or we could go through all your favorite tools. Oh, yeah, we should do, do a tool pod. Do a tool pod. Should we do a tool pod? <laughs> Come back, excited. Should we call it You're a Tool? <laughs> tool time. Bike fit tools versus Bike. mechanic tools. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually, because there are a lot of. Bikes are boring. I mean, we've both got hammers. we both got hammers. I've got a little hammer as well. I've got a little, little hammer this long. Little hammer. Little hammer. <laughs> I need a mallet. That's another thing on my shopping list. Mm. I need a nice mallet. Oh, stop it. Honestly, I'm going to... Uh, God. I've got... <laughs> Enough of that.
that, but... I want to see some customised tools. Like back Ooh. in Cloud9, I really yeah. enjoyed all their... Um, they turned some uh, old frame top tubes into additional levers. Oh, for, yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly stuff. Do you know what? Things. There yeah, is that. <laughs> the, yeah, there, there is not a bike shop in the land that doesn't use a, a bike tube, a frame tube, as a, basically a cheat bar. <laughs> yeah, persuasion tool. It's what happens when they don't yeah. pay up. Yeah, I mean, um, like we, we don't talk enough about tools and uh, mm. toolbox wars. There are a lot, yeah, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of, weird and wonderful tools in that bench and there are going to be a lot more weird and wonderful tools in that bench mm -hmm. um and the bike industry just there's so many so many proprietary like specialist tools that you wouldn't find in your average toolkit that cost a fortune but without them makes your life difficult so bring your bikes in and bring you can buy in. more tools yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cool. Yeah. All yeah, right. Till next time, folks. See you later. See you later. Psst. You still awake? If you're not already in a food coma, and if you are, I hope it's because of too many mince pies and not because of our conversation, join us on Instagram at Soft Issues Pod. And as always, stay healthy. Don't work too hard. Keep on the grass. Feed the pigeons. And we'll see you on the other side. Merry Christmas. Ooh. Mm -hmm.